The following podcast is recorded and produced by Emerge, a media creators co-op, in affiliation with the network at BICBP-radio.com. Welcome to the Double Fist Punch Podcast, called such for the action of beating somebody's ass. In <laughs> yes, in- inefficiently. Yes, inefficient <laughs> ass beating in Star Trek. Um, <laughs> if you're a wrestling fan, you might also know it as the axe handle smash. Yes. So, why, why, why are we doing this podcast? Well, first of all, um, we're big Star Trek fans. And um, we decided we wanted to do a little bit different kind of podcast. Um, and we're going to – well, you want to explain, like, how we're going to handle this? I mean, yeah. we're just both big Star Trek mm-hmm. fans. And, and we've met through our friend Julian, who appreciate um, him being our producer for this. And um, we just both love this, the show and the universe, and we want to talk about it. Yeah, this is a appreciation podcast. We're going to be going through the episodes and talking about – like, just things we like about the episodes. There might be a little bit of, like, production criticisms yeah. here and there, but it's not, like, going to be all about, you know, well, this is terrible, and this is terrible, and they should have done it this way, or whatever. I'm guess I'm blowing out the microphone a little bit. <laughs> um, but, yeah, so we're going to go through No, we that. love the show, and we'll, we'll, we'll say when an episode's not great. Um, or this could have been done better, but that's not what this, I don't think that's what this podcast will be at all. I think this is going to be like, we like the show and we like, we can appreciate the genre that like for me, I literally grow up on. So, you know. Yeah. I mean, Star Trek ultimately isn't even really about the production quality of the show. Like that's never been what I enjoyed about Star Trek. I mean, granted they, for the time that, uh, the original series had great production quality, but it's always about the the moral of the story, you know. Correct. Um, which we'll get into when we get into the man trap and uh, right. uh, Charlie X. Yep. Um, but the re- the real reason we're doing this podcast is because we love the show, right? Yeah, like, without a doubt. This arguably one of the best and longest running television series ever. Um, so we're going to be going through episode to episode talking about the individual, um, quirks of the episodes, things we noticed about the episodes, uh, stuff like that. Um, so what, I think you should introduce yourselves. Oh yeah. Yeah. I am Rick and, uh, this is my co-host. Rich. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Uh, we are the, we are Richard and Richard. Um, I assume that's what Rich is short for. Yeah, yeah. At least I think so. (laughs) I never bothered to ask until right now. All right. So, so how how did you? So what you you want me to do? I'll do my bit first, and then you can kind of kind of do your version of it. So, um, yeah. So uh, I'm Rich. Uh, This is actually my uh, facility, emerged facility. Um, you know, so it's really fun to be sitting here and not pressing the buttons for a change. So I can actually enjoy this, this part. I host a couple other podcasts. Um, but here's the funny thing. So this whole facility started because I, I taught media production at my high school for 20 something years or whatever it was before I retired. 
but I got that gig because I was the only guy who knew anything about video in the early 90s at Niagara Falls High School. But I knew that because back when I was in high school, my friends and I made Star Trek parody movies. And then I started making money by doing weddings. So really, I realized last night talking to my wife how excited I was to do this podcast that really all of this is happening and all the relationships I have uh, and everything that's going on is because of my love of Star Trek. Because I don't think I would have been making movies with my friends if it wasn't for the fact that we were just a big Star Trek fan. So a big shout out to my other friend, Rich, Rich Previtt, who uh, lives down, and I know he'll be watching this podcast. So he will, he will definitely at some point when he comes home from Virginia want to participate because he and I, we still, you know, talk about, uh, and we were the ones who did the movies together, and he does a really good Scotty imitation, by the way. <laughs> so, but literally, I think we're in this room today because of my love of Star Trek and the influence it had on my life. All right, so I'm Rick. I, um, so I actually have an interesting, uh, ex- um, an interesting relationship with Star Trek, which uh, if I actually told uh, if I had, had actually said what it was, Rich would probably yell at me. So we'll see what he thinks about this. Um, <laughs> my introduction to Star Trek was Voyager. Okay. Because that came on Spike TV uh, during the early 2000s or mid-2000s uh, every day at about 4 p.m. And I'd get home from school. I'd watch two episodes of Voyager because it would be two episodes back-to-back. Right. I was like, wow, this this is actually pretty damn good. I, I actually like this. Um, like, and then like the reason why I did this podcast is because I'm like, well, you know, no, nobody really, you know, talks about Star Trek. Well, now that like Paramount and they've reinvigorated yeah, it a little bit, sure. the conversations are a little bit more common, but like back then it was just like, I got nobody to talk to about this. And then, uh, the original series was actually on, um, it wasn't Spike TV. It, it doesn't really matter. It might have been TBS or something. Yeah. Um, and uh, at around 7 a.m. every day. So I watched that. I think the first episode I actually saw was uh, the one with the Hordas. Okay. Um, yep. So. The giant pizza. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, the giant, the giant pizza that was uh, a man <laughs> <laughs> kind of crawling yeah. around on the floor. Poor guy. <laughs> Yeah, God, that must have been uncomfortable. <laughs> <laughs> so what are your guys' favorite uh, Star Trek projects? Well, I want to respond to his thing, because, like, um, about Voyager. Like, so I'm going to pick on Voyager from time to time. <laughs> um, but to be honest, for me, um, I don't I, – I, I'm not a guy like, ah, yeah, like, I'll watch Voyager, but it's not the one I'm going to pick. Mm. I, I can appreciate a lot of what Voyager accomplished – and I, I'm one of those people that, in general, as long as they're making new Star Trek, I'm fine. I don't, I'm a big fan of the newer stuff. Um, I don't rip on it like a lot of people do. Uh, but I, I have a similar story. Like when I was in college, I would come home from school and uh, Next Generation was on every day on Channel 29 at two episodes at five and six. And I would get home and I would watch them every day, even though I'd already watched them. I grew up, uh, I was born in 1967, so I don't remember when Star Trek was on originally. But as soon as it went off the air, immediately went into syndication. So growing up, my brothers and I watched Star Trek every single day on TV around the house during the summertime. And then um, 
I just stayed with it. Obviously made some goofy movies with my friends. But in terms of my favorite show, uh, Deep Space Nine, without a doubt, is my favorite Star Trek show. I will reference it way too much because um, I just love it. I love what they did. And when we get to Deep Space Nine, I'll talk about the importance, I think, in terms of television production. I really like uh, the newer stuff a lot. I'm not, Discovery is my least favorite of the new stuff. I loved Picard. It got better as it went. But now I'm watching Strange New Worlds, and to me, it's a point in TV. Um, it's really what is Star I think, and even um, the, the, the people that are combative about Star Trek, um, I think we all really like Strange New Worlds. It's really bringing the fan base back together, which is what we need nowadays in our lovely world of social media. Yeah, I got to see the first episode, and I got to say, I can't wait until we get to that in yeah. like four or five years. <laughs> <laughs> our five-year mission to strange, to explore strange new worlds. To explore strange new worlds. five-year mission to explore strange new series. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so with that all, all that out of the way, Let's get to our first step. So we will be uh, talking about the episodes in order of broadcast. Yes. Um, oh, what about the cage? Someone's out there right now getting yelling at us. We, we will definitely get to the cage. It's part, um, for those of you who are, who are unaware of uh, how the original series went, the cage was addressed in, uh, in the menagerie, which will be its own uh it's probably going to end up being its own episode. A lot happens Yeah, that, there. there's a lot. Because I think we have a lot to discuss when we get to the cage. Because the cage is canon. Mm-hmm. So everything that happens in the original pilot of the cage is considered canon. It's actually brought back in some of the new shows that are airing now. The elements of it. And obviously it's the inspiration. The cage is the inspiration for the show Strange New Worlds. And um, But I think it will make a lot of sense if we just explore the cage and the, the two-part episode, The Menagerie. In the relationship between um, Spock and and Pike, uh, when we get to that, and obviously a few episodes, um, and then obviously they ordered a second pilot, um, which was unheard of at the time because obviously we'll talk about all that later. Um, but then they decided not to air um, where No Man Has Gone Before as the the new pilot as the first episode. NBC officials decided to air the Man Trap instead, and I and I. When we, as we talk about the episode, I'll, I'll, I'm gonna give you some commentary. I think I'll give you my opinion why I think that was a good idea. Yeah, they, they definitely chose to um, air the where no man has gone before. Like that was a third episode in broadcast. So, right. well, but we'll get to that. But yep. um, so the man trap. So we'll like probably do a brief synopsis yeah. of the episode you um, could read right off of the vhs yeah. tape for you can read right to, off yeah. of the v- vhs tape from uh which has been sitting in my basement rich's personal collection <laughs> um, when the enterprise landing party arrives on planet m113 to give a routine medical examination to robert and nancy crater a nightmare unfolds when several members die <laughs> which is pretty every episode of star <laughs> <Yeah>. trek <laughs> Um, um, every trace of salt mysteriously re- removed from their bodies. That's actually kind of a spoiler for the episode. We don't yep. learn that for a little bit. Uh, since McCoy was once deeply in love with Nancy, he's especially concerned for her safety. However, the real Nancy Crater is already dead. A being has taken her from, taken her form and needs salt to survive. Because Crater's supply is gone, it has only one source, the crew of the Enterprise. So... 
I if you so had not watched this yeah. episode and you read this box, there was no point yeah. to buy the VHS anymore. Yeah. But it is a nice synopsis for yeah. our purposes. That's yeah. what I was going to say. They just spoiled the entire yeah. episode in the back yeah. of the and, VHS. And this is how it ends. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, well, that's that's terrible. Yeah, that it's was... like what? It's like a, like movie trailers nowadays. They get the whole movie yeah. right in the movie yeah. trailer. That, <laughs> yeah, that was the entire episode actually. Yeah. Like, um, they didn't spoil the ending. I guess. Um, spoiler. Uh, the crew of the Enterprise makes it. Um, yeah, that's good. And continues to... Somehow. Yeah, somehow. the crew. Um, air date, September 8th, 1966. Wasn't even born yet. So, yeah, I, I can relate to that. Yeah, I wasn't born yet either. I was close. I would think probably my mother would have been expecting it. Then. Now, was this before or after Batman? Uh, right around, kind of an overlap. Those shows were right around the same time. We're talking about the original Batman you, here? You know, the, you're talking about Adam West and yeah. stuff? Yeah. I believe, I think the show, I think they over, I think um, Batman would have come out first. And this is 19, you know, 66, 67, 68, or whatever it was. I think Batman is like mid-60s. Very campy, but I mean, because I think that show, The Green Hornet, those shows are on um, during this time frame. Right. already they're already on and established so i wrote i, I actually watched this uh you know what i'm going to do is not i'm gonna because obviously i've seen these episodes eight thousand yeah. times so i actually i'm re-watching these episodes to gain new insight because now i want to podcast about them so i'm doing my research so i watched man trap um do you want me to just throw something out oh uh, yeah so let's just start at the beginning of the episode so they arrive on the planet um and uh, like we we see uh, Nancy, who is obviously the monster at this point. Um, so they all see a different person. I, I like this concept that the alien has the ability to kind of like. Obviously, there's some inconsistencies because it's 1960s television. Mm. But my my understanding of the monster is going to be is that the monster is really tricking your brain. So it's projecting. It's not actually taking the form, in a sense. It's actually, it, it is, it's an illusion. It's not like a true changeling like Odo in my mind. I feel like this is more, it's, it's creating a, uh, it's kind of a perception field, so to speak, for, to steal from Star Trek. So they're seeing what their brain is telling them to see, is what this, this creature's ability is, which is kind of a unique concept. I, I think that's a pretty creative concept for early for the '60s. Yeah, and I think um, later on they kind of um, expunge on it, like because they all see a different thing, right. and then the creature essentially learns. Oh wait, I can't. I, it, I'm appearing differently to these people, and then right. like coalesces its appearance into it adjusts. What, yeah, it's adjusts so it can do it how it survives, and that's interesting because obviously Captain, the first person we see is this younger woman, and McCoy seeing her, and as he admits through the his his love for her, so his perception, the way she's pulling from his brain or however she senses that, um, this much younger version that he had the hots for. And then Kirk expects that she would be a little bit older, so he sees her as just being a little bit older looking. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, um, then the other crewman, uh, who used to be on a soap opera, my wife noticed. Um, Darnell. Darnell, he, died, he was on a soap opera like Getting Light or something many years later. And my wife always loves that. But uh, he sees her as some hot girl that he saw on, yeah. on somebody's pleasure planet, yeah. which is kind of funny. Like, So that kind of gets himself in trouble. Yeah, can I just say, like, the fact I, – I, 
I don't think it would ever occur to me to see a woman and be like, oh, I just saw you. I, I, you look exactly like a girl I saw at the strip strip club. You know, like, like maybe he's got he's got a little bit of an obsession for Darnell, like, and that leads to you know that problems for Bert Darnell. Uh, the funniest thing that I think was that is that already you see that there are issues with, you know, like it's tough to watch these shows now in a sense because of like the sexism. Mm-hmm. Um, it is in many ways like this show. If you think of the movie, the TV show Mad Men, this show could have been called Space Men. Like it's literally like perception, men, women perceptions in the 1960s. And you have to watch shows like this through that lens yeah. and not get caught. Oh, that is sexualized. And and Gene Roddenberry liked the girls in the short skirts and all that stuff. We can. Yes. The, the world. You know, we still have those problems today. So it's not like we're so much. Oh, we've so evolved. Like we still have those problems today. And, and that's why film and actors and writers are on strike right now because of the sexism of Hollywood. But um, but this was time. This is the way it was for the for the. But I think like this interaction is really good. Like this for it creates a great alien right off the bat. A very mod like a not a typical alien that you see in the campy nineteen fifties B movies. Yeah, like it's um, it's very much. Like, to talk about your point on, like, the sexism of the time, like, for the time, like, it was pretty progressive show, like, in terms of, like, women's yeah. rights and stuff. Like, like you know, um, Uhura, for example, outranked... A black officer? Yeah. yeah That's a woman? Black officer yeah. who outranked several people on the bridge crew. Yeah. Um, they don't... Probably deliberately, they don't make a point to, like explicitly say that she outranks people like right. Sulu and Chekhov later on but um like she does she's a lieutenant um yeah for sure um so like so back to the episode uh so Darnell gets l- let off by her right she she comes out still appearing to be this woman and you know he's like stricken because right. you know he's apparently incapable of controlling himself uh, which right. gets him into trouble. Um, well, if he's that obsessed yeah. with the woman from the stripper planet, yeah. then you kind of understand <laughs> that he probably has a little bit of some impulse control issues. Yeah. You know, gets his salt sucked out, um, which we don't find out until later. She claims that he ate a poison fruit, yeah. right? So, so this is where we get the first stirrings of like what's actually going on, because right. like, even though like this. So we find him dead, right? right? He's dead. He's got the, Kirk, the, the yeah. suction cuppy things on his on his face. Yeah, Kirk shows up. He's like, "What happened here? Oh, he ate something poisonous." And then she says something very specific to her husband. It was, "You asked him about the salt, right?" Right. Um, that is the first the the first stirrings, in my opinion, because like it's like, what would you? Th- this man is dead. Why are you talking about salt? Right. Right. And and McCoy at that point also realizes that she looks different now. Mm-hmm. And it, it, and she says, Doc McCoy, Leonard, you, you act like you don't believe me. And he's like, no, 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 it's something else. Again, they're intelligent people. Like, so he's, he's processing, wait, wait, she looks different. Like when I first saw her, and that is something, the theme that hangs around, he literally leads to a fight with like kind of a, you know, Kirk's got to kind of smack him down. Like do your fuck effing job. You know, like my, my guy's dead. Yeah, yeah, that's um. Uh, he has uh, uh. Quit, quit worrying about your lost love. I have a dead man here. Yeah, do your job. I want to know why. Right. You know, he's he's because uh, McCoy's just in there like plum. 
He's just like <laughs> his I nickname. He's, he's just literally sitting next to a dead body. Like, wow, I can't believe she was so much younger. Than and, and, and that's when they get yeah. back to the ship and they're doing kind of a, an, anal, an analyst or whatever on on his body on the on the ship. And 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 I want to say one thing. Like, um, you know what? Did you notice that by this? episode which is i think would have been originally the third episode but i feel like these characters are already pretty well defined mm. like early on how many tv shows do we watch nowadays where it takes like a season for the characters really to come into their own where i feel like this show is very well written and we already get this is spock this is mccoy this is ahura this is kirk their characters are pretty well established uh kirk's sense of humor um, all that stuff, like his, his friendship with bones, it, it all, it already makes sense. Like it already works. Like it already feels like, well, this is, this, this show's already, you know, 20 episodes in. Yeah. I mean, we like in this episode, we get the inspiration for, uh, um, the Uhura and Spock in the 2009 oh, movies. Oh, definitely. Yeah. Because like, she's just in there. She's just like. Yeah. Have you, you know, what would you say to a pretty woman like me or something like yeah. that? And like Spock, we we get this instantly. Yeah. We know what Spock's about. We get a nice sub, you know, secondary character scene, and she says something like, "Tell me what like a, what it feels like on a, like on, on a night in a Vulcan moon." And he's like, and he's totally unresponsive because obviously he's Spock, and and he's like, "Miss Uhura, like Vulcan has no moon." And she's like, I'm not surprised because, like, obviously the moon is a huge source of inspiration, um, you know, for love sonnets and all that type of stuff. And they don't have one. So I, I feel like that's a pretty smart writing mm-hmm. that it's kind of funny, ironically, that Vulcan. Does, and that's probably when they established in the canon that Vulcan doesn't have any moons. Because this is early on yeah. in the canon. The show's like two weeks old. So they're they're establishing so much that leads to the next 50, 60 years of, of history for this franchise. It's pretty cool, like, like, like how much they've been good at maintaining that. Oh, know? yeah. Like, he, 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 like, we get, like, you know, Spock's just, like, you know, Iceman, like, immediately, and we're like, oh, okay, so yeah. his species is, like, you know, they don't experience emotion in the same way that humans do. And, and as you'll see when you get to Strange New Worlds, that they're doing a nice job with the new actor playing Spock to capture some of Spock's efficiency as a Vulcan. Like, Lieutenant Hurry, your transmission report, blah, 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 was, like, wrong. Mm-hmm. Like, it's like he's very business, he's very businesslike, and he's very serious about who he is and his responsibilities, and that's pretty cool. And then you get the opposite of that. Like, the next time that Kirk sees McCoy, he apologizes for snapping, mm-hmm. hey, man, you in the mood for an apology? He's like, ah, you know that you were right. I should have been focusing on my job. I like the fact that they can have an argument, and that but they're still best. They're still good friends, and I and I do think that this is important because, again, growing up, like I learned about friendship and camaraderie by watching Star Trek. Oh yeah, like it's it's very interesting to see like characters like right off the bat. Like I feel like in in a lot of modern television, it's like these people are meeting for the first time sometimes, and it's like yeah, like. Oh, you know, I'm I'm Bones, like that. That's how it was in the 2009 movie. They just they all met for the first time, right. and like we got all this stuff to work out. And that was fine in that movie because oh, yeah. it was supposed to be establishing the canon in a sense that like that's how McCoy and Kirk 
met on that in that movie, which I think that scene is just that's my favorite scene in that movie. Mm-hmm. Like when I know space is a disease, and he, like the <laughs> the actor I can't think of the guy who plays Billy Butcher on the boys. He's so Carl, good. Carl Urban. Thank thank you. Carl Urban is so good that Leonard Nimoy says when he saw Carl Urban's performance of of McCoy, he cried because it reminded him so much of of DeForest Kelly who had passed away by that point. So I mean like. But, you know, all I got left is my bones. And so we're assuming that's kind yeah. of the genesis of where... Because only Kirk calls him Bones. Yeah. Nobody else calls him Bones. He, it's his nickname for his friend. The wife took all the money and the whole damn planet <laughs> in the divorce. That's a pretty good Carl Urban as, as, as Leonard McCoy. So. Yeah, and then, um, like, he's... But it, it fits into Gene Roddenberry's, um, like, vision for what he wanted Star Trek to be right. at the time. Like... Because we don't we don't ever get these introductory um, character moments because right. he didn't want them like he wanted the uh, the show to be basically like you know just he wanted the show to be episodic like in its fullest intent like yes. which event I'm not sure how much how much like decision he had in like when things started to get more arky like in TNG especially but. I think by then he had been kind of phased out and he was older and I think he passed away. Um, But also I think producers at that time were moving towards episodic, away from episodic to more. um, And this is a big discussion that I that I have with Christian and all my my other son, my son, Christian, when we we do our podcast about a lot of people don't like we call them one offs now on Mm -hmm. these shows. But I feel like the one-offs are so important because mm-hmm. this is where you get to really explore char- explore characters. Yeah. And I love the silly episodes on a show because it's gets a chance that, like, the one where it's not every episode shouldn't be about, oh, my God, like, the world's about to end. Oh, my God, we saved the world again. Like, I kind of like the one episode just like they went to the pub. And yeah. some and silliness <laughs> happened. And it's and how they – and now their friendship – like, those things are – really cool like we got a 26 episode or whatever seasons episodes there were the 20 whatever 26 whatever it is like and and um where we have time to really get to know characters because we're not doing a 6 to 12 episode arp on a streaming service yeah yeah i mean like um we you know, you know we we get introduced to them like we we learn enough each individual episode of star trek they give us enough character to really sort of tell how who these people are and what right. they're about um and through watching additional episodes and it doesn't matter which episodes you watch right. that was intentional on roddenberry's part but right. um you get more and more details about them which right. we'll get to when we get I to some fun stuff that i wanted to throw out before i get we get yeah. too far like we get the first he doesn't say he's dead jim but there is a dead <laughs> This dead. man is dead, This Jim. man is dead, Jim. Like, it's you start to see, like, some of the stuff that's, like, in the lore. Uh, there's also a line where Sulu's in, and he, he talks to Yeoman Rand, and he says, Great Bird of the Galaxy. And Great Bird of the Galaxy was the nickname for Gene Ronberry. So there's a weird, like, I love, like, that I'm sure that's not why that line's in there, because he didn't get called that till many years later. But I love the fact in this first episode that we saw on TV, we get Gene Roddenberry's eventual nickname. And that's to me, like, this is why I love the freaking franchise so much because of this type of stuff. Um, And you talked about Uhura, and we get to that scene now that the creature's on board. Mm -hmm. 
and she, the creature takes an image from her brain yeah. of the type of man she would be attracted to, which is really freaking scary yeah. if you think about that. And it speaks Swahili. Now, again, the Swahili's in his her head. We're, he doesn't really look like the creature doesn't really look like that guy, and it's probably not really. But for our our audience's purposes, we're seeing it from that that perspective of her acting of, of her character. And I mean, that's like I don't know. Hearing Swahili on TV in the 1960s probably was pretty damn cool, right? Yeah, oh yeah, like that's like like how how many people would even know what Swahili was at that point? Right. Like. She's just like, oh, you're speaking Swahili. I imagine most of the audience was just like, I don't even know what that is. Yeah, what is you know? that? And she's not an American. She's an African. Mm. Like she's not an African American. I, 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 maybe her character is. I don't remember that. But the, the, clearly, the cast is supposed to give you a sense they're from different parts of the planet. Right. And that obviously is a thing that we'll get to, like why they bring in Chekhov eventually. Mm. You know, and Sulu, who's supposed to be. Um, um, Japanese and all that stuff. So, I mean, I think those things are really super important. Yeah, Chekhov um, had to have been insane for the time. Like, yeah. like you, you're, you're talking about height of Cold War, like yeah. the Soviet Union still, like, very threatening at that point. Yeah. Like, nowhere near their collapsing time. Oh, and for sure. You got this Russian yeah. in the show. Um, well, what, what else do you want to well, bring in here? I had, um, so... When they get back down to the planet to, like, yep. investigate things, um, they just kind of send, like, this, the skinny dude. I, I don't remember his name, but, like, he, he's just, like... Lieutenant Green. Yeah, Lieutenant Green, yeah. He, they just kind of... They're just, like, go go find her, and they just send yep. him off alone. And it's like, well, okay, bye, Green. Yeah, take, yeah you kind of, <laughs> like, you kind of know, like, when I was watching the first part of the episode and the guy burnt... He goes, like, who's the guy in the blue shoe? My son's like, because he had not seen this episode. He's like, who's going to blue shirt us? It doesn't matter. He's going to die. And he found that amusing that, like, how much characters die on Star Trek. Um, and I go, yeah, that's kind of a joke nowadays. Obviously, the red shirts are a real specific joke, a meme that's known. But, I mean, like, in general, like, but the other thing is, compared to Next Generation and the other shows, maybe Voyager, they couldn't kill people because they were yeah. in the other state. They couldn't kill the entire, they couldn't kill a guy every week. It's only 150. There's only 100. You're right. They, they run out of people. Um, but um, they also are on the edge of, this is not a civilized universe. This mm -hmm. is the Old West. That's why, you know, Ronberry referred to the show as, you know, um, what do you call it? Like uh, some show, some show to the stars. Like it was a show that was on that, that they, uh, that, uh, I forget the name of the show, that, that was, um, that he wanted to feel like it was out. So the universe isn't established. It's a dangerous place. Mm -hmm. So. Yeah, like, um. Yeah, like this this monster is just like it, it's just crazy dangerous how like it it can kill you instantly and they like they they st state later on that it can actually paralyze you. It's got hyp it, hypnotic power. Yeah. When it focuses on you with its little weird hand yeah. action thing, it freezes when and when we finally see it in its full attack mode with Captain Kirk like at the in the last scene. Um, so yes, it's got this hypnotic power. It obviously can read your mind. And then they, it, um, well, let's talk about once they all, once the creature gets aboard the ship, mm -hmm. they realize they got a problem, but then they realize that green's dead, yeah. but be, green had beamed up to the ship and did all those interaction with Rand and it's trying to grab the salt shaker and, and, you know, we can see Sulu like taking care of plants, which we never see again, by the way. Mm -hmm. And, um, 
Um, well, it does get referenced though, like in uh, the uh, in the Naked Time, he references uh, botany, oh, like okay. Sulu trying well, to get the guy into, into botany. Oh, that's cool. Um, but um, uh, real quick from the from the um, back when they were still on the planet, right, right after they'd found Green and McCoy was like, "I gotta find Nancy. I gotta find Nancy." Kirk's Kirk tells him to stop for thinking with his glands. Yeah, that's great. <laughs> that is that's a great. great. That is a great line for '66. There's okay. a lot of really cool stuff in there. I mean, I, I like when when Spock and Kirk go down to the planet to to try to find Crater, <laughs> and he starts firing at him, and he's like, you know, like you're gonna sacrifice yourself. And he's like, he's not trying to kill us. He's just trying to scare us, yeah. and he's doing a pretty good job. And I, <laughs> it's like, again, the. People are shooting at you, and Kirk's still kind of like, eh, he's making jokes. And, like, that just shows the bravado of why I think we all like Captain Kirk so much. Because we all would want to be Captain Kirk, let's be honest. Like, he's, you know, he's pretty, he's, he's, you know, he's, you know, he takes, you know, he's pretty good looking. And he's, he's got a ship, and he can fire phasers, and he's funny, and the women all fall in love with him in 12 minutes. You know, it's a pretty cool, (laughs) it's a pretty cool, you know, everybody falls in love with Captain Kirk. Yeah, we kind of see the difference between Leonard Nimoy and William Shatner during that scene, too. Well, First of all, I wanted to point out that shot when uh, they beam down and he's just staring at them from like just behind the rocks. He's just like this. Yeah, right. They just hold that shot. shot. It's so funny. It it (laughs) is like, like, because he's he's like, like, yeah, because it's like, it's a weird thing because he's, you know, he's like. It what what's really cool about this episode is is this, it's kind of monster 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 monster, mm-hmm. and then when they get back to the ship and they bring Crater back to the ship, yeah. now we get into the moral play finally, yeah. and it's like he's like this it, is the last of its kind, you know. Yeah, and he does the thing when he's stunned. He talks about the carrier pigeon and the buffalo, and it's funny because I don't think a lot of people are talking about endangered species in the nineteen sixties. Mm-hmm. Right? Not really. Like I, I mean, don't... I don't think that was a thing. I, I don't. I don't. I remember in the seventies, maybe late seventies, early eighties, when we started talking about the the, the bald eagle was going to go extinct, and obviously, but that was fifteen, twenty years later. Like, and nowadays, we're obviously we're very much about worried about dangerous species. But I don't think anybody was worried about endangered species in the nineteen sixties. And and we look at an Earth, in that's that has lost a lot of its creatures, mm-hmm. the 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 what the buffalo. And I I love the moral play about the analogy between this creature and the buffalo. And I think suddenly now we get a, a moral play. And I think this is a great first episode because it really establishes what Star Trek's all about. Yeah, it was um like at the time like you got to remember that like when when they talk about the buffalo, we don't really think about the buffalo being endangered these days. But like. In the '60s, th- yeah. this was after they had almost been entirely wiped out. Like from our own actions, they weren't yeah. naturally like we murdered them, like for fun and sport. Yeah, yeah, like, that, yeah. That's kind of like the historical context behind that particular line. Yeah. Like at the time, this was, you know, it. We've had like what's 60, 60 years to recover the right. buffalo population right. since then. Um, this was right after they'd been almost wiped out. So go out. to my camera because I want to say my hot take. If we were making TikToks, I don't know if we are. Star Trek has always been woke. It has. It, 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 it was, <laughs> it's the original woke, yeah. right? I mean, yeah. People well, get mad at Star Trek. Oh, it's woke ooh. now. Now? Have you watched the yeah. show? It's not just about firing phasers. That's important, yeah. too, so people want to buy toys and, and watch it. 
but it's also it's a moral play. And and some of the episodes coming up, like the whole thing's the moral play from twelve seconds in. Oh yeah. You know, like Consciousness of the King and all those things that are coming, like you know, the the parallels between Star Trek and like you know Shakespeare are huge. The the tie-ins and I, I yeah. That's um, the entirety of episode two is just talking about you know children basically yeah. just the sociopathy of children who yeah. aren't um, supervised but like um, what else you got like in terms of, I like cause it, I I like when they get into the boardroom scene um, and and oh the, yeah the fake McCoy because obviously the creature takes McCoy's. There's another funny line there, and he's like, you know, I can't sleep. And Kirk's like, take one of those red pills you gave me last yeah. week. You'll sleep. I just <laughs> always loved that Shat- William Shatner already had the character, like, bam, nailed. And then, obviously, the creature takes Kirk's, excuse me, McCoy's mm-hmm. uh, position and is walking around, and he's kind of using its skills to gather information, which is pretty smart when it goes up to the bridge. And then eventually he has to go to the, the briefing with Crater, Crater's sitting next to this creature mm-hmm. and knows that it's the creature. Yeah. Because the creature, because st- we established the scene that, the, the, sorry, I cut you off. Uh, uh, I was just about to say, he, he says in the, you know, Kirk's in the boardroom and he's like, would you know if the creature was in the room with you? And he's like, yeah. <laughs> you know, like, I don't think he says yes, but I think he heavily he says, implies I, it. I can. Or oh, okay. I, yeah. Yes. He does say it yes. definitely eventually. It's it's not right away. I think he eventually says, "Can you identify this creature when you see it?" And he goes, "I can." That's what he says. Yeah. I can. Uh, and are you going to help us destroy it? Sorry, can't. Yeah. And he's like, because he's it's it's not just Kirk applies it with like that. It's his kind of his play thing mm-hmm. because she can take his form and his best friend, and he could be a hot woman. He that creature can take any form, and he can basically implies that he's just like it's his toy. But there might be some aspect of truth to that. But there's also the truth to it that it, his science background is that he's, he's whatever his science background is, is that he feels the importance of saving this creature at all costs, even over the cost of some of the people on the Enterprise. Even over the cost of his own wife. That yeah. thing killed his wife, and, and he, he doesn't loves even it. remember. Like uh, yeah. one year, maybe two. Yeah. Like it's kind of like it's well written. Like yeah, like like he he loves that thing. Like like whether or not like that love is romantic is kind of like nebulous in the episode. It seems right. like, but like he has a lot of care for it, and I I think just by its actions, at least until the Nancy creature. I guess we'll just call it Nancy. Um, and t- at least until it fixates on McCoy, right. um, it seemed to have loved him as well, or at least oh, that's saw a really, him as cause a... Because the creature does, Nancy, as the creature says, yeah. the, the rest of them, they don't... Like, you have such deep feelings for me, so mm-hmm. clearly the creature's ability to read minds or sense perception mm-hmm. or whatever it is, even over Crater, mm-hmm. it's now shifted its focus and love and yeah. needs... To McCoy, which I didn't catch that until you said that. Yeah, like it's it's very really good point. It it seems to feed on affection. Yeah. But like it doesn't. Uh, I don't think it appreciates affection because like as soon as it it uh, attached itself to McCoy emotionally, I guess you'd call it. It just killed Crater. Like yeah. it it didn't need him anymore. It, yeah. Like it wasn't even really a. I don't even think it really had a second thought about it. It right. didn't even care. So, I think you're right about that. So it's like it doesn't need it 
it doesn't need to love it needs to be loved it seems sure like it, yeah. it needs to be the object of affection is yes. what what i think the writing kind of implies there um, i would agree with that yep and i don't like even when it ca came back to his room after he after it had killed creeter it came back to mccoy's room who's still unconscious from the i'm not sure if it's the red pills that did it or if it's a creature like just like i've watched the episode twice in a row now and i'm not really sure wh like whether or not the creature has a had actually like put him to sleep no he put him to sleep because the, with the pills because yeah. i noticed this in the shot when she turns into him um you can see on the counter and this is why the show's well made on the counter behind him there is the bottle open and there are a few loose pills on the mm. nightstand or the, the, the headstand. So clearly, and she gets some water. So my assumption is is that she she kind of stays with him as he drugs out and goes to sleep. Is, those are and then when pills. he wakes up, he doesn't really understand all that he's missed. Yeah. You know, I love the thing that they do with Spock in this episode too because it's the first time we realize that the Vulcan anatomy is very different. Because the creature tries to eat, like tries to suck the salt out of Spock. Spock's line is like, my answer spawned in a very different ocean. My, bio my biology is very different. So it, it doesn't, it can't, it, it can't, it can't, you know, take the salt from some aliens, clearly Vulcans in it, particular. Yeah, he, I think it implies that he might not even have salt in his blood. Yeah. Um, but he, uh, we also learn that his blood is green because yes. the creature hits him. Yeah, when, he's got a nice welt Yeah, he's got that there. cut on his welt and it's, or cut on his welt. He's got that cut on his forehead and yeah. there's green stuff around it, yeah. which I think. And is, Spock's the only one who kind of realized there's something wrong with McCoy in this scene. Like, mm -hmm. so that's, again, we established that Spock's pretty damn smart. And then he's like, but he, like, I, I, I wondered about McCoy. I, that's why I followed, that's why I went with, you know, him to do the truth serum, which is kind of a funny thing. They're just going to drug the guy and make him tell the truth. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it doesn't seem like that's a good idea, but, um, you know. Yeah, Kirk, Kirk um, yeah, so, like, the finale of the episode, um, oh, uh, real quick. So, the difference between Leonard Nimoy and William Shatner, right? Leonard Nimoy, I don't know if you, you probably knew this, but you yeah. might not. Uh, he was actually in the military. Um, and you, I don't think I knew that. And you can kind of see this, like, in, like, when they're fighting, like, uh, uh, the doctor right. on the planet. Uh, Kirk's kind of, like, crawling around on his hands and knees, right, right between... Uh, Leonard Nimoy is actually, Doing like, more of a military, yeah, traditional military. crawling around, like... I guess on, I didn't notice that before. I mean, you're probably right. Yeah, I, I really like that little, like... Yeah. Like, I don't even think it was a purposeful detail. It's um, probably just, yeah, yeah like... It's just, just a... He, he just knows yeah. how to crawl around on his belly, basically. Definitely. That's interesting. Um, cool. Yeah. But uh, on to the finale, right? We get our first uh, double fist punch. Yes. Multiple. Um, Spock comes in after the creature has hypnotized Captain Kirk, and, mm -hmm. and, and, and um, McCoy's holding a phaser, and he doesn't really get it. And he's like, that's not Nancy. It's not Nancy. And he does seven, I counted, double <laughs> fist, like, Nancy, take this. And it's funny because nowadays if you just isolated Mr. Spock beating up a woman, it's, it's, a, great, it's a great meme um, or, you know, something for your text messaging. Um, but you see five on camera and two that are, there's a cutaway of McCoy going, Nancy, what are you doing? And he's like, no, don't kill her. Like, and, 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 you know, Spock, Kirk's still in that, like, he's still yeah, he's, like, he's still in trance. He's still, he's in, he's, yeah, he's in a trance. And, and then she just whacks 
Spock, and he flies across the room and knocks all the books down. Yeah, and then and then we see. I think it's like right after this we see the creature for the first time in the sh- as, I as will tell you is. as an eight-year-old that was effing scary yeah that was a great costume I I wish if I had been better prepared I probably would have had like images to right. throw up on screen or something like that but like that thing was a great costume it had like these long like tentacle yep. fingers that like yep. and like honestly like they attached to Kirk's face pretty well like yeah. It, it it wasn't perfect. It was the '60s, but like, right. like this this was all practical like costume stuff. Yeah. Like the the tentacles kind of just yeah. like yeah. I think the on. gloves were made longer enough to give yeah. the hands they could do more of a job on the face. Yeah, I yeah. agree with that. And, and then it's really again like you know, um, you know, McCoy's forced to kill it. Yeah, and we we get a pretty decent uh, showing from uh, William Shatner here. Like. Yeah. It, it, it felt like he was genuinely being hurt by that. Yeah, yeah it's a pretty, and he's good at it. Ah, yeah. you know, like, and I, you got to say, like, you got to love the music for this time period. I, I love the music in the background. Like, it's it's very dramatic. It's it fits the franchise, and you know, I think we talk about music and franchises all the time: Star Wars, Superman, whatever mm-hmm. it might be, Raiders of the Lost Ark, but James Bond. But like, this is the music for Star Trek is very iconic too. Especially the background fight scene music, all that mm-hmm. stuff that everybody growing up watching the show knows. Oh yeah, like it's just it's over the top, but it's great for the genre. Yeah, Kirk, Kirk on. Uh, I think the I think the first time we get that particular battle music was Kirk versus Spock on with uh, over Tapel or Tapel, yeah, not yeah, the Vulcan music. Yeah, the, yeah. the beginning first episode yeah. of season two. Yeah, so, and then which uh, we'll get to, obviously. Futurama de- de- references that yep. music later on. With so we're please, up to seven. Yep. We're up to seven double fist pumps, yep. punches already. So there should be a counter on screen. We are going to have to we'll have to make that, and then we can yeah. just update it as we go. And then I like they get to the end, and they all feel bad about it. And then the box Kirk's just sitting there, and he's like, "I was thinking about the buffalo." And I like yeah. that they didn't just like, well, you know, some episodes they certainly do that. They just mm-hmm. forget about everything that just happened. Yeah. But this one is important because they all kind of like acknowledge that they had to kill this um, endangered species off. So Yeah, like we we had this, this you know, creature. This is the first time the, that Starfleet, you know, and I don't even think it was, I think it was Earth, Earth Fleet at the time, but... Yeah. This is the first time we've seen them encounter like this creature, and they just immediately kill it. It's the last of their kind. Yeah, that's kind of funny. My yeah. son made the same comment. He's like, "Well, I'm like, well, you know, I guess they could. We don't really have a lot of things like tricorders established well in this episode, or even like uh, we have the phaser on stun. So maybe like they could have tried to stun it or whatever it is. I don't know. But like, I feel like, okay, fine, but." You, you kill the creature because that's what you did in the 1960s. Yeah. yeah. You know, like, what are you going to put it in? You know, you, it's an interesting, and I think the point is the irony that they had to kill it. Um, and the fact that McCoy had to kill, like, somebody that looked like the love of his life. Yeah. Which, he, you know. He, in, it was interesting that he still, like, like, even though it, it had already revealed itself to be real, right. he still hesitated. He was, like, still, like, I don't want to kill this. It's, it's. And he has to say, yeah. you know, God forgive me or whatever he yeah. says, you know, like forgive me or whatever, however he says it. And I think that that's – and it's interesting because Kirk doesn't kill the bad guy. Spock doesn't kill the bad yeah. guy. The doctor, Hippocratic Oath and all that stuff, has to kill the bad guy. 
and it's literally tears him apart, which, I mean, like, that's pretty good. By next week, he's fine. But, you know, like, that's how episodic works. Yeah. Yeah, so, next week, we're really back. Really good episode. I mean, a really good... I, I understand why now they decided to make this the first episode. Yeah. I think it's a good way to get people involved with it and in, and and um, get excited for what's going to come next week. Yeah, I mean, when we get to no, where no man has gone before, we're going to discuss... But it's, it's not too expositional. Like, there's right. not... There's not like, well, this is Earth Force and Earth or, or Earth right. Fleet or whatever they right. were calling it at the time, uh, yada yada. It was just very simple story. Yeah. Like we get we get introduced to the characters, very well written, right. written, um, like uh, encapsulated story that well, could it's be tough with it's tough with that episode when we get to it. That's episode three. That'll be our next episode when we will get to that one. Um, because we're missing a lot of the key, key characters. Mm-hmm. We only have, you know, two or three of the legacy, four in a sense of the legacy characters. We've got a different doctor. We don't have Sulu. We don't have, like, and, and, and it was a pilot. So, you know, I think there's some, lots changed between that and when they finally started producing the actual show for the for season one. So we'll, we'll address that when we get to that. Um, how far are we in? Uh, 48 minutes. Do you, I think we can knock off Charlie X, can't right. we? Yeah. Might as like, well. I mean, this first episode is going to be a little longer probably because yeah. we had to do a lot at the beginning. I think in future episodes we'll get right into the yeah. episodes. Yeah, so. But um, I watched Charlie X last night. Yep, so did I. You know. Um, oh, well, I rewatched it last night. Yep. Um, so, like, um, first off, he doesn't have to do it to use his powers. but He just seems to do it when he wants to. His power face. He just he just gets this. Yeah, the glare. Yeah, just yeah. like it. Angry eyes. Rich, do it again for the camera. It'd be great um. if we could have sound. I don't have. It's not the right sound effect. It was like. Well, yeah. they have like a sound. Yeah. And they do like, you know, like they did. They did it. And but you're right. It's not all the time. But, it's only occasionally. But it's, the, you know, it's when, the, when it went for dramatic effect. Although it works with the character too, because like. If you if you really tick off a four year old or a five year old or whatever, what face are they gonna make? They at make you? that face. Yeah, that that I'm angry face. This is an interesting episode in so many ways. Like, um, and I think I it was not my favorite. This is not an episode I would stop and watch on a regular uh, basis if I was rewatching. But at the same time, I'm glad I did because I, I did. Now that I'm reanalyzing this these episodes for the podcast. I'm catching good stuff now. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, I didn't even think about that. Oh, yeah. that's really cool. Yeah, it's 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 a powerful episode. Like, it's it's very much like just uh, as I mentioned before. It's like this. It's it's about childhood in a weird way. Like, it's yeah. about coming of age. I think it's an important episode in that regard. So like, we'll do a. I mean, do a thirty a twenty second wrap up for the episode. Gotcha. So the episode is the Enterprise. Uh, runs into a small freighter with 20 crew, and they are transporting to him a teenager who's 17, who was the only person that survived from a crash when he was three years old, and somehow this guy, this kid, has grown up by himself for 14 years on a planet, and he seems like he's okay, and he does have some family on, like, Earth Colony 5, and they're going to bring, so... Because the freighter is doesn't, you know, it's a slow ship. There's not a lot of resources. He's going to bring, there. the Enterprise will bring Charlie to his family on, um, and, and right away, like, they're, you know, it, it, the problem is it turns out that he survived with the aid of an alien race mm-hmm. who have given him powers to do essentially kind of Q-ish from mm-hmm. Next Generation, pretty much whatever he wants to do. 
because um, that's what that race has, and that's a race that they already know exists. So it's not like we find out that this race existed. Mm-hmm. We know, the, the crew knows that there is a legendary race that, that supposedly existed and, and maybe had goofy powers like this. Uh, and then they realized that Charlie eventually has these powers, and now they're stuck. Very early on in this episode, they realize that they have an, an, uh, a teenager with way too much power. Yeah, they um, they used a lot of they uh, they do this a lot throughout season one, but it was like they used a lot of dramatic irony um, in this in early Star Trek, where basically if if you're not familiar with that what that is, it's it's basically the audience knows what's going on, but the characters around um, this central focus don't know. Um, so, like we imme- we the audience immediately know he's got. He's got something going on, right? He, right? he does that within the first 10 seconds of the episode. Right. Um, but what I find interesting about Charlie is, like, like, he is a vehicle to examine, like, a lot of the way we interact with each other. Like, you know, we get, like, he, he comes uh, onto the ship, right? And he sees, like, this is one of my notes here. He's... He's, like, watching these two guys working, and the one guy just goes, like, good job, smacks the other guy in the butt. And he's like, oh, okay, so that's how you show affection to right. towards somebody. And he does this uh, to Yeoman, what is her name? Yeoman Rand. R- Yeoman Rand. You probably already said that to me. Um, but, um, and she's like, what are you doing? Right. That's not right. Um, but he immediately, yeah. the first female that he sees in his life is Yeoman Rand. So he immediately, which makes sense, would immediately be in love with her. Mm-hmm. And she's nice to him, too. Yeah. So the first female he meets is obviously pretty good looking. And she's, you know, um, and he immediately b- becomes connected to her. And I think that's an interesting thing because we all have that first crush. And they mm-hmm. even talk about that within the episode. Um, and he doesn't. He has. He grew up for 14 years with no affection. So it's an interesting. What would happen to you if you were isolated and you grew up with? And he craves it. Mm-hmm. He wants to be human, but he's got these powers. And obviously, probably whatever happened to him on that other ship was that they're probably a bunch of jerks to him. Mm-hmm. And they might have been nice, but then he immediately probably imagine a bunch of hanging out with a bunch of guys on a freighter. Like they're not. They're not the Federation. They're not like. Starfleet, where they're just a different type of crew. These guys just transport cargo. Mm-hmm. Like, they're going to be kind of like, eh, they're like guys working on the plant. You yeah. know, they're not going to be supportive to, like, a teenager. They're going to pick on them. Yeah, especially since he's just, like, really strange. Like, yeah. like for, 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 like, what we're expecting a fully grown man to behave, like, he's right. very strange. Like, right. so, you know, they, these guys are going to be like, what the heck are you doing? Like, right. You know. So, but I think that's that sets up the relationship he has with Captain Kirk very well because um, he really doesn't have any practical reason to um, respect Captain Kirk, but it's just the way that he carries himself that makes him... Well, the first thing Kirk really kind of says to him in that first scene is, you know, you're interrupting and we consider that rude. And it's not me. Yeah. It's just... It's just matter of fact, like, and so immediately he, he kind of starts to immediately identify Kirk as a father type figure, and and, and Kirk's re- <laughs> Kirk is restrict is is um whatever he's he doesn't want that role. 
I don't know what that hit was. I had that queued up because I was going to say the next time you talked about Yeoman Rand, I was just going to play that. <laughs> what is it that you played? <laughs> Let's Get It On by Marvin Gaye. Oh, that's pretty, that's pretty much, yeah. Because uh, I had it queued up because you were talking about It's funny. About you know what's funny about that? Like, too, like, because I don't know anything about the military or the Navy specifically, certainly as a kid. So I just assumed that all yeomans were hot girls. That's kind of why I had it queued Captain up. Because Captain Kirk had a hot yeoman, and then we had a couple other yeomans. And I'm like, oh, I thought. And then finally when I got older, I'm like, oh, no, yeomans are like dudes most of the time yeah. on a naval ship. He just happened to have a hot yeoman. Like, you know, you know. Yeah. Even though she got that weird fake wig. Yeah. No, but fake you said, you said he was like instantly in love with her, so I had it queued <laughs> up to be played every yeah, time she talked about yeah. it. Yeah, it was like it's really interesting that Captain Kirk just admonishes him, like not not in a as you said, not in a mean way, just as more of a matter of fact way. Yeah. And like, you know, you really get into the importance of having like uh, uh, an authority figure yeah. in your life. Like, well, I'm, I'm a parent, yeah, and I, you know, I mean, I think my my boys raised I raised my boys pretty well to have respect. Like, like a simple, quick story, like that. Was it kind of intentional? I never referred to them as their mother. Mm-hmm. I always referred to my as them as my wife mm-hmm. because I want them to have respect. When they were, I mean, I don't have to do that now because they're twenty two or twenty four. <laughs> They'd be like, "Shut the fuck up!" Like I said it to them now. But like back when they were four and six, I wanted them to understand the relationship between a man and a woman. I even said to one of my children one time, I'm "Like, listen, like she was here before you. Like she's my priority. Like I think like that, Kirk." has those kinds of things once he realizes the role he's trying and he's not good at it he's not a good being a father he doesn't have children so like he he makes a couple mistakes like taking charlie to the gym's a bad idea but he doesn't know any better because he's a military dude i mean at at the point where he takes him to the gym like he he's starting to get like you know they're starting to get nervous they realize that he has abilities yeah but he's not really certain about what's going on like you get this um I believe he had all he demonstrated that he can. I think it was like just the destroying the the chess pieces at this point. Yeah, he melts the chess pieces. He turns the meatloaf into turkeys. Um, there's things like that are like they're very low level things, and they think that he knew that the ship destroyed was mm-hmm. destroyed, but they don't realize because the ship. Once they're out of his sphere of influence, mm-hmm. they try to call the Enterprise and warn them. And he happens to be on the bridge at that time. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Kirk didn't even really want him to come to the bridge. Um, so they even write that well that, like, why would Kirk let him on the bridge? He's like, I want to come. And Kirk's like, all right, I'll be nice. I'll let him come to the mm-hmm. bridge. And while he happens to be on the bridge, the ship tries to call him. So he makes the ship go away, yeah. in a sense. He destroy, He makes the thing, and the ship just blows up. Um, they don't necessarily realize that he could have that much mm-hmm. influence. Although he did hint at it, he was like, Are, "Is the ship okay?" Or what? He he said something. He's right. like, he said something that would imply that he knew something was wrong right. with the ship. And Spock was. I don't think Kirk caught it, but Spock. Spock does, you know, and I think that's supposed to be Spock's more perspective, uh, yeah. or whatever. He's gonna he's gonna catch those things perspective. Yeah, but um, so after this, we finally get to Charlie. Do, oh, f- fun fact by the way. Um. That guy that Kirk is talking to, uh, when Charlie walks up behind him about about um, the meatloaf or whatever, mm-hmm. I want you to make it so that it seems like real turkey. 
that guy is Gene Roddenberry. <laughs> and that's his only appearance. I did not know that. Yeah, that is Gene Roddenberry. So there's an interesting side story with that then because he's supposed to be the, the chef. Yeah. So. And it's funny because when they do Star Trek Enterprise later mm. on, mm. they mention the chef, but we never see the chef. So I'm wondering <laughs> if that's a weird little nod to the fact that Gene Roddenberry played the chef <laughs> once and then we never saw the chef yeah. again. I wonder if there's like some lore behind the scenes that we're not aware of. But I did not know that. See, this yeah. is cool. I that's a brand new thing I never knew before. Yeah, that was Roddenberry, and then he he says that the the They're the meatloaf real. has been replaced They're with real, real turkeys. turkeys. That was also Roddenberry. And it's funny because I've commented on a couple fan sites over the years that we still have um, holidays in the future, <laughs> Thanksgiving, because they mentioned Thanksgiving. Yeah, it's Even though we don't have probably a lot of like, I don't. I feel like religion's a less of, lesser thing in the future in this universe, um, but we still have things like Thanksgiving. Yeah, um, yeah. yeah, like, it, it, and it's just kind of like it, it wasn't like a Thanksgiving episode. It was just like, yeah, it's Thanksgiving. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so another thing I liked about this episode, like, they kind of address being horny. Like oh, yeah. he's like he's like I'm hungry all over, yeah. you know, and it's like you're like. Yeah. I guess that is how you'd describe it if you didn't really, like, know. If you were just, like, a 17-year-old yeah. who didn't really grow up with people, didn't well, know Well, imagine they... having a conversation with, you know, as a father with your teenage son when he has that first heartbreak. Mm -hmm. and, and Kirk has to have that conversation with him. Sometimes, Charlie, between a man and a woman, there are other things. Like, there's a million things you can have in this universe, yeah. and there's a million things you can't. <laughs> And Yeoman Rand's one of them because she's mine, all mine. She's my rope, Yeoman. Yeah. Back off. Yeah. I'll, I'll pick you up and carry you there. Yeah, he, he, um, <laughs> Sorry. It's my inner William Shatner coming out. <laughs> like, oh, poor, poor, um, whatever her name was, like the, the, the younger lady that um, Yeoman yeah, Rand the, introduced. The girl. Yeah, she's yeah. just like. He really, when he decides to go full rogue. Yeah. He does a lot of free, creepy ass shit on that ship. Yeah. By the way, oh, turns yeah. the one girl into a lizard. That was her. That that's, was. He see, are you all right? Lizard, yeah. like turns yeah. her into a lizard, which is like, wow, that's kind oh. of rude. I don't know why they picked lizard, but okay. Yeah. Um, uh, he, he, he makes everybody stop laughing, and the girl's face is gone. Yeah. Um, just um, makes people disappear, yeah. like quite a few people. Yeah. Um. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. We just completely skipped over. Uh, the first time that happens, by the way, he's like. He's uh it, with Kirk in the gym, yep. and uh, Kirk's teaching him how to fight. And, you know, in typical, like, uh, immature boy way, he's like, he doesn't want to do something that looks kind of scary. Like, right. he does, uh, Kirk does a shoulder roll, right? And that right. that's actually Shatner doing that. Yeah, like, that way. actually, there's a um, lot of, there's, like, in the early on, I think yeah. there's a lot of stuff where he did do a lot of his own stuff. Not yeah. all of it, there was a stunt double, but there's a lot of fight stuff where it is him. Yeah, and and we will get to that one because um, the remastered, yeah, you can it's tell. You can it's tell. it's rough. You can tell, you know. <laughs> I mean, it it gets made fun of later on, uh, even like before the remaster. But right. like it's it's very obvious. No, they would um, go to a wide shot, yeah. and, and, and they would put in you know uh, uh, Leslie, the guy who plays yeah. Leslie was a stunt double. So. Uh, it's it's funny. Um, but, um, yeah, yeah the he, guy starts laughing at him and he just yeah, says, just goes, Hey, don't laugh at me. And then just boop. And, and then, the, and then does, you know, mean face. And then he's gone. Yeah. And then Kirk's just like, he's just like, there's some uh, buttons over there, kid. <laughs> Let's go. Oh, sorry. I'll, I'll, I'll take that, that one back. 
<laughs> he's just like, yeah, it's what? kind of an old fuck moment. Like, <laughs> yeah. oh, this is well, he's got a lot more power than we realize. We cannot bring him to Earth Colony yeah. Five. Yeah, that that's you when know? he first is just like, yeah, we should we should definitely be careful about this. And um, he does that again with, and this is like where. We we were talking earlier. I was like, yeah, they got drywall um, sets. Um, So Charlie goes to Yeoman Rand's quarters against her, you know, without permission. She's like, it's rude to enter people's quarters without permission. And he's, you know, he's just kind of like, you know, immature. Like, it's really, it's it's uncomfortable. And it's meant to be uncomfortable. Oh, for sure. He's like, you know, don't lock your door on me, Janice. Yeah. You know, and... You know, so Kurt and she subtly, like, uh, turns on the intercom and is like, you know, Kirk and Spock run in there. And this is where we learn that the dry the walls are drywall because Kirk and Spock get knocked into the wall and Spock kind of rolls to the side a little bit and there's just a hole in the wall. Oh, there. I don't think I ever <laughs> noticed that. I'm going to have to go back and look for that hole now that you've noticed that you said that. Yeah, it knocks a hole in the wall, um, which, you know, those are – presumably bulkheads but right. it's fine because they, they they notice it in the shot and like i think they 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 kind of cut around that for the rest move, of the time move out, <laughs> move his broken light uh, um, spock body over and then at this point uh yeoman Rand slaps him and you know this is when charlie this is actually the beginning of i think this is when charlie just goes completely over the deep end yes uh makes her disappear um and then just runs out of the room and you know that's right you know, we we cut to him just. I think that's when he turns um, what's her face into a iguana. Yeah, he, there's there's several scenes where he's just kind of like marching through yeah. the ship like angrily, and he knocks people over, and he and he you know turns her into a lizard. He makes the guy stop laughing, stop laughing, and at the point we see the girl come around with no face. He turns the other woman into an old woman. Yeah. Um. You know. Um. He, he's causing a lot of problems. You know. And and. It's an interesting thing because they don't really know what to do. They try to mm-hmm. um, stop the ship from going there, but he senses that. Mm-hmm. And then he's got a different attitude. I need to go there. Like, And then he yeah. really kind of sits in his chair and he does all those kinds of things. And Kirk is doing the best he can. And he says, I, I got to. And they kind of recognize that the only person that's ever going to really kind of handle him in that respect is is Kirk. And Kirk finally says... I got to take him on. And they're like, you're going to get killed. He's like, he's going to kill us anyway. Cause Spock's like, no, absolutely not. He's like, well, what am I going to do? He's like, the best we got here is I, he's, he is not made anybody go away since he started controlling the whole ship. So maybe his powers are limited. He's not completely unempotent, like a Q type mm-hmm. character. And he goes, so maybe this is as much as he can do. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to try to challenge him. And then while I'm fighting him, you guys knock him out. Yeah. And that's the best we can do. And it doesn't work. Yeah, no. It's actually kind of funny. Like the crew doesn't win, so yeah. to speak. Yeah, like he 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 beats them. Like he's yeah. just he's gives them that stomach ache. He's about. He's, to, you know. <laughs> uh, oh, by the way, I noticed it in that shot when he's like on the ground having a stomach ache. Like you, you can kind of see this, like where like the stages they built were modular at the time. Right. Like they 
pulled pieces in and brought them out. Right. Like, you could see the seam between the captain's chair and the rest of the bridge kind of, like, opening oh, up re- a little see, bit. See, I'm going to have to go back and watch yeah. remastered versions because I I'm guess I'm like, not <laughs> seeing that. I was not watching the VHSs, yeah. by the way. I'm just watching it on uh, on Universe uh, yeah. uh, Paramount. I mean, I just thought it was interesting that, like, yeah, be, yeah, they couldn't. They they would tear down the set, put a no, new set in in its place. So yeah. of course they got to be. Modular. I think the bridge set. The reason it's modular is because the, where the view screen is, that section would get pulled back, mm-hmm. and then they would only put that section back in for that. So I don't think that set was ever taken apart. I think the front of the set was taken off so they could film sequences. And the only thing that was in the front is probably the council and everything mm-hmm. to the right. It, they had sections that were detachable, yeah. and clearly the screen is one of them. Yeah. I imagine the, you know? the chair could also be pulled out so the camera crew could get in and do the probably, shots to the probably, Yeah, because you've got to figure there's – there's, it's funny. There is some motion camera in this, and that camera probably weighed like 500 pounds and hit tubes <laughs> and stuff. Like it's not like nowadays you can go buy a Ronin. Like those cameras were huge. So anytime the camera tracked or panned or moved, like that's a lot of – and there's some tracking shots in this. Like one spot where Kirk goes into the – Mm-hmm. Thurbo lift and it follows them like it's you know yeah like, like that was must have been pretty freaking hard back then yeah. well i wonder if it isn't something like similar to what we did in at, at the school which was that we just had it on a tripod on wheels and just rolled it everywhere it probably yeah. Was. yeah i wonder if it wasn't something like that uh, i mean there were some handhelds that you could tell like he it was just like probably some beefy camera guy just like walking around with like a, <laughs> like an enormous 50 pound camera on it. and now from a word from our sponsor uh, Comicscon or whatever that was. Comicscon. Comicscon. Kazakhan. Which will have our uniforms eventually. Hopefully for the next episode. Yeah. Well, yeah. With the monthly uh, production schedule, at least. That's what I was looking at, yeah. by the way, when I didn't switch <laughs> the cameras, was looking at the uniform. They're, they're nice. They are nice. I mean, seriously. I mean, I, I'm serious. <laughs> I think I'm going to buy the ears so I can be a Vulcan. Yeah, I mean. Maybe you'll be you know yeah. happy with me in, ca- in case he wants to keep this and like yeah i'm getting the the kirk you know blue gold green like um it's yellow yellow yeah. it's yellow it, it kind of well, maybe i'm thinking of his tunic which is definitely green oh yeah no that's definitely green but the one that you're talking about i mean it's it's like like that's yellow yeah. like that that's uh you can't see i mean it. it's yellow though. i mean look oh. at it here though like it's kind of like like a greenish no, it's yellow. You're just colorblind. Well, maybe it's just the... That's the, very, very, very yellow. The camera, like... Camera... No. Or the, the, Rick, the, I think you're just colorblind. The fact that these are, like, from the 80s and they're just kind of faded. But even on the even in the episodes we were watching yesterday, I think it's interesting that they change all of the, the colors of their outfits. Also, the style. At one point, they were, like, sweaters, and they had, like, turtlenecks on them. Yeah, it was episode three. That, that was the oh, second that original costume? Yeah. Yeah, it was, so. Um, yeah, during... So, they... So, Kirk and uh, Charlie, they grab each other, right? This is for uh, practice bout, right? Right. And... The shirtless Captain Kirk. Yeah, shirtless Captain Kirk. He's, you know, Charlie just had a hold of his uh, enormous delts as best as he could. And um, because William Shatner was pretty pretty beefy at the time. Yes. Um, but he had him, and, like, he was just kind of, like, wildly flailing at him. And yeah. this this is what leads up to uh, uh, Charlie yeah. making uh, the guy disappear because Kirk then throws it, him. It's funny because we never see the gym ever again. Yeah. And but it's funny because the the, the 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 grid wall 
you can see through the other side of the gym where the two people are fighting yeah. with the ninja, oh. you know, the goofy sticks. Oh, that's T- the, you're about to bring up the TNG thing, right? Yeah, what are those? I forget. Is that uh, Donja or whatever the thing? Oh, it had a It's the thing that name. Riker fights his dad with. Yeah. So they bring back, like, something that was just some silly. Somebody was like, hey, make yeah. some stupid <laughs> props for guys to fight with. But it's funny. The wall is the wall from engineering. Like that separates engineering from like the impulse engines, and it's that same wall with the grid with the holes in it, and they just moved it in. So like you can see how they like sets get reused all the time. Like the botany episode, the botany is just sick bay, and they brought in the bad fake plants with the puppet guy. <laughs> Oh, yeah, that stupid hand thing. It's, 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 it's like, feed me, Seymour. Well, it's, he was watching the, that it's episode. It's the puppet. It's the puppet from, you know, like, a, you know, a Rick Little Shop of Horrors. I was watching that episode a little bit ago, and I walked in, and I was like, is that just a hand? Yes, it's a hand. <laughs> he goes, he goes, yes. That's how like they the, did it hmm. back then. They did, That's how this, these shows, like this show and Doctor Who did it. Or you know, Lost in Space, or any of these shows. They, it's literally just know, a glove. It's just with a guy like with a glued-on fake. Flower. It's like a puppet you would yeah. make for school, yeah, like in fourth grade. Yeah. You know, put some feathers on it. I mean, we got to make fun yeah. of it because it's oh, just yeah. ridiculous. Oh, yeah, but but they, what else were they going to do? Plus, they said no one's going to watch this ever again. Yeah. It's not going to be around in fifty years. Who cares? Yeah, Ben. Of course, here it is. And here it is. <laughs> yeah, back then they, they definitely that was a one-off plant. They definitely weren't going to put all their budget no. into the. The, no. the hand puppet thing that they yeah. use for the plant. Yeah, just throw some feathers on a glove. That's fine. They're just spray painting plants yeah. from something else, and they're just throwing them on the set. Like, I mean, like, like some of that stuff. But that's, again, it's the sick base set. Oh, but no, the one I wanted to bring up was, which, again, is an insight thing, is that when Charlie starts to make Spock act mm-hmm. silly, yeah. and, 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 again, I, anytime Nimoy is the freaking actor that he is, he just doesn't do it. He's doing it, but he's fighting it. Yeah. And, and it shows the, the, the quality acting of Leonard Nimoy to, like, trying to be Vulcan, but also being forced to recite silly poetry. Oh, yeah. And it's, like, killing him. Yeah. Like, it's, it's, it will destroy him. And that's and spot, obviously, Kirk knows that. Yeah, like, Kirk's just like, leave my crew alone. This, this is not, you, you can't be doing this. Right. Um, oh, yeah, and... Um, when when he sends people away, he it seems like I, I'm, I didn't mention this already. It seems like he's implying that he doesn't really know what happens to them, like Charlie. Yeah, I would agree with that. Like he yeah he he says, doesn't quite understand. Yeah. Again, he's I think the concept that he's a teenager. Mm-hmm. This is again you're making really good points that I never thought of before, and, and I I think you're probably right. I think like because um, he's again a teenager, mm-hmm. he probably doesn't really know what he's capable of. Mm-hmm. Um, and he just does things because he's an impulsive teenager. So, um, you know, and I love that line where Spock says, we're in the hands of an adolescent. Yeah. You know, like, which is, this is awful, you know. So, so yeah, I don't think he knows where they go. Yeah. Because like, if he would, he'd bring her back. Yeah, I, I definitely felt like he was lying when he said, yeah, I know where they go. Yeah. yeah it, it just didn't feel right. Like, which is a credit to the actor that he managed to, say say that in a way that sounded like you know it was like oh i don't know where they go you know right. it's more like and again or, i think that know. the show deserves credit for a lot of the direction and the writing mm-hmm. like dc fontana i think when i wrote this episode and i think the writing's good but i also think that there was a nice collaboration between the writers and the directors because clearly there's a lot of things that get flushed out in the performances mm-hmm. 
and that's why part of the reason why I think the show holds holds up so well compared to, compared to other shows that you watch later. Uh, like I mean, Lost in Space doesn't have the following. You know, Doctor Who. As much as I love Doctor Who, it's tough to watch the old shows from the '60s. Yeah, yeah. Oh yeah, like Star Trek just holds up in a way that a lot of older shows yeah. don't. And I not think, every episode. Uh, yeah, not there, every. there's going to be some bad ones. Yeah, but there's gonna but be I some think stuff. this early part was where they had the budget and they were very focused for sure. So, so moving on to the end of the episode, we get a lot of like, unless you had more. No, I think we're at the point. I think we got a good point. I think we're at the point now where we get kind of again a yeah. bit of the irony like that yeah. you know of this. Yeah, like uh, we were discussing this earlier, but um, before the podcast, but they so they get caught up the the aliens i think they mentioned this a little bit earlier they were like we're getting ship to ship communications but we can't i can't i can't hear it right and then charlie comes in is like yeah i'm blocking communication i think that might have been them but they have been following them for a while i think it's or by them i mean the the aliens yeah i forget the the name of the race thelosians i think thelosians or something like Um, that it doesn't matter but (laughs) um we never see them again uh but so I think it's implied that they've been following him for a while, and they they basically just come in and like Charlie immediately knows he f- he feels them or or knows mom that and there. dad just yeah. got home. Yeah, he's just like no 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 wait you a minute. You were having a party, and mom and dad just got home. Yeah, and we we'll get to yeah. mom and dad getting home later on right. in the season, but yeah, for um, sure, <laughs> yeah, definitely. <laughs> but um, so he they they get there and they're like they um. They basically just, I think the first thing they do before they even say anything, they bring Yeoman, Ra- Yeoman Rand back and onto the bridge for some right. reason. Uh, well, actually, probably not for some reason. They probably did that to make sure that Kirk knew she was okay. Right. And then the, the effect appears where we get the... the yeah, the, Christian was joking about yeah. the effect. Like, how many times are we going to get, like, the blurry face just... Yeah. Project, I'm like a lot. Yeah, we're you know, get like that it, this was. It was like well, they didn't have a lot of other. Like, you didn't. You had limited things that you could do at mm-hmm. this time frame. Yeah, everything like was terms, analog back then. Yeah, like they didn't have any. It was just. Effects. It was just green screening and layering of video, of video layering of film yeah. and video and stuff. Yeah, I, you know, I actually wish I had researched how they did the like wavy effect on it because like. Like the the whole the whole thing was wavy. There were some. There were a lot of effects that were built into cameras even at this point. Mm. I'm assuming it's a video feedback thing, okay. where they were basically probably videotaping a TV. They were probably taking the camera and putting it onto a screen and then filming the screen with another camera, and you would create that weird um, video like. Yeah, you get a like weird video like, effect. You know, yeah. doing like this a little bit. And it was like almost you could adjust the vertical hold, and that's probably what a lot of it was back then. You know? Yeah, but so they get they get there. They're like, yeah, we undid everything. We couldn't save the freighter or whatever it was. Right. I think it was a freighter, right? Well, because the shit that yeah. blew up. Yeah, that we. You know? Yeah, I guess that's. I guess that kind of implies they do have limits. Right. Like they can't just bring an entire ship back and the crew. Right. Well, I. I guess that's kind of like where we get like um, being sent away versus being killed. Like he just killed them. Like they exploded. That ship exploded. Yeah. He made a metal plate go yeah. away, so they could make the metal plate come back. Yeah, but they but can't. The, the ship's gone. So what are you yeah. bringing it back for? He destroyed something with his powers by removing something. Yeah. The face, 
the old woman, yeah. the guy in the gym, Yeoman Rand, all that stuff is just, just like he's able to make his legs not broken. Yeah. They can fix something that's still here. They can't reassemble something that and bring life back. Because I don't think they're dead. I think they're just in some weird, yeah. um, you know, their universe. They're probably floating around where those aliens live, yeah. where he's going to end up. Mm-hmm. Probably some kind of a pocket dimension yeah. or something. Um, but so they, sh- they show up, reverse all the, well, most of the damage that he did right. to the ship and not to everybody else. Um, and he, they're just like, and this is where we get like, kind of like this, it's, it's almost like we, we, you know, he is a sympathetic character. I, I think at the end like, of the day, I, that's why I think this is different from other shows. Like even the last episode where we just kill a creature. Now we have a, a different type of, of powerful creature and and again, the moral play is that well, let's not. Oh, good, he's gone. Like, yeah, no. no, there's like an aspect of he's just a kid. Yeah. Like, you know, come on, let's give him a second chance. And 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 Charlie's pleading with him. You you said my friends, you were my friends when I came on board. And he's pleading with them. I I can't go back. I can't. I I mean, like they don't love. I can't touch them. There's no women. <laughs> there's no. I can't get my. I can't get my groove on. Yeah. Yeah, I can't. I can't bum, raise bum, anybody bum. up. There's no ladies there. I, I can't. Go, there's. I can't get my drink on, so yeah. to speak. You know. Yeah. There you go. Captain can't you feel me? <laughs> I'm, I'm trying to. I'm trying to hit on Yeoman Rand, but she's not going to be there. Yeah. I, I'll, I'll give Linda a chance, or whatever the yeah. other girl's name is. I'll give her a shot. Yeah. Hey, wait, not the heck. She's. I, I apologize for turning into a lizard. Like I, yeah. I'm hoping she doesn't hold a grudge. Yeah, you know, and, and no, and then and then and Kirk yeah. begrudgingly looks around, and they all kind of look at him like, "Come on, Captain." Yeah. And he and he does. I think he does make make his case that like yeah. he does. He should be with his own kind, and he, like, isn't there anything yeah, you can do? You and they're like, "Powers away or they're something." Like, can't you do something? And they're like, "Nope, he'll use his powers. He's a bad boy." He's yeah. just. And they're like, I don't know. I, they think that they're like, they're relieved, but they also feel guilty yeah. that he's. Done. Yeah, we we actually get some good acting from uh, I don't remember what Yeoman Rand's actress's Grace name is. Grace Whitney. Grace Whitney. We get some good acting from her, uh, or probably more specifically, good directing. Yeah. Because she's like, you know, well, he's pleading right right before he gets sucked off into like you know whatever alternate universe that they exist in. Um, she she tries to go to him to like comfort him. Like, he's yeah. um, you you all right? He's um. He's just like, you know, trying trying to convince them to let him stay and everything. And she's just like, she, even after she, he sent her off into oblivion, basically, she's still like, right. well, I I feel some, you know, I feel, I feel sorry for this this yeah. this poor. Yeah, she's gonna go to him, and yeah. McCoy kind of holds yeah. her back. And again, that's probably not a scripted thing. I assume. I'm gonna assume you're you're the film director. I would imagine that you would you would interpret those are things that get interpreted when you're directing. Hmm. Like, what should I just stand here? And yeah. he's like, No, you should. You, let's. You feel bad for everything that's transpired, so you should try to go to him. And McCoy, why, why, Leonard, why don't you know DeForest? You hold her back and not let her go, and and let's all kind of feel bad for Charlie in this moment. 
And then I go, oh, stay, stay, stay. And yeah. then you get the, the nice echo audio effect yeah. in post-production. Yeah, I watched I watched this episode a couple a couple years ago when I was like really trying to get into Star Trek. And now that I'm producing with you guys, I really should probably start watching along with, with you. But, um, you know, the thing I liked about this episode, well, and also a lot of the other ones in particular, is the staging of everything is really well done. And it's like you said, you know, you're going to go over here and do all this. And it's like, in this scene in particular, they're really, she she kills it with, mm-hmm. like, and, and you really, like, you start to feel bad for him, even though you know he's, like, yeah. murdering everyone. Like, yeah. Well, murdering, quote-unquote murdering. But, yeah, well, and they know, think she's just gone. They think yeah. that, you know whatever ralph or whatever his name is in the gym is you know is gone too like you know and 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 obviously the other ship's destroyed and they're very nervous of what he'll do if he gets the colony five Mm -hmm. so they understand at all costs like kirk if he needed to he would destroy the ship yeah he probably would not i I think he was destroying the ship when when he like he turned everything on like that was probably overloading stuff you kind of hear it in the background see if he could control that and i i definitely think that there's that yeah the other thing i'll mention about the way the show's produced there's a lot of i in these early episodes i really love the way they use lighting Mm -hmm. like there's a lot of stuff where like kirk's face is very you know like it's a extreme close-up on kirk's face and it's like you're only seeing like his eyes and and it's that one where he says you know, like, go with them or I'll pick you up and carry you. Mm-hmm. And it's, like, freaking dramatic because we know that, you know, Kirk says, if you kill me, you're going to kill me, you're going to kill me. So, you know, yeah, I but mean, I'm not going to, like, do whatever you say. Yeah, yeah, like, I think people overstate uh, Shatner's, like, like, start date, yeah. two, seven, nine. Right. Yeah. They, they overstate that, or at least – as of season one, he's not doing that. Like, he, yeah. he, he's 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 theatrical, but he's believable. But it's an acting style yeah. of the time period. Yeah. This is very, like, 60s. A lot of what you get trailing off from the actors of the 1950s when you think of, like, Brando in the one who's the motorcycle rider or whatever that one's called. Like, there's that style of acting that over the... Because back then, most of the actors were very... Leslie Nielsen in, in Airplane... Mm-hmm. Surely you can't be serious. I am serious, but don't call me Shirley. Like as opposed to like actors with emotion. Like sixties mm-hmm. were very much about the emotion. You played that emotion on your sleeve. That was way so. Shatner's an actor of his time. Yeah. That's the style that he that he's you know made famous for himself. Well, I think if I can pitch in here, I think one of the things I like about him in particular in in the original series is like he's almost written sort of like a noir narrator. So when they when they do when he does the star date stuff and he's like star date, Charlie was da 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 da. It is. It is. And it is. It's it, almost it like is noir like, murder mystery esque, yeah, like with his dialogue yeah, and also his camera. delivery. It is know? that kind of like yeah. yeah. Definitely, I agree with that. I never thought of that too. That's. I guess I thought that the star logs were just exposition, and they are. But at the same time, I think they are a bit of storytelling. And I, I, film I like. like, I like you know, the, the idea old radiator, that. Was hissing like an old radiator, like you know, like that type of thing. And there was blood on the floor, and I walked in and I looked at it. And I said, hmm, "She had gross. She had legs that started at her ankles and went all the way up to her hips." But yeah, <laughs> <laughs> but he does kind of talk like yeah. that, and I like that first draft theater because like, you know. they also do like they do a lot of stuff like that, especially in the Charlie episode when he talks about that kind of stuff. It's like it is sort of I guess you're seeing it from like obviously the show is told from his perspective, I mm-hmm. guess. But when you do the captain's logs and stuff like that, you can see how he is figuring it out, even though we as the audience already know. It's nice to see how he is sort of figuring it out through his 
you know, his logs and things. Funny thing about the captain's log is they're very inconsistent on the show. Because in the last episode, Kirk's log is, we didn't know it at the time, but blah, 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 blah. This was a creature. And this episode, they're all within the context of theoretically before the scene happened, Captain Kirk ran to his quarters and did a captain's log. So here's what's going on right now. Like, it's like, it's like, it's, yeah, you know, it's yeah. kind of like when you watch a cooking show and the guy's talking about, oh, I decided to make a chicken, whatever. But it was like, they're recording that later. Yeah. But where, but, but he, but he's talking like, well, I decided to make a chick, but he's talking about it in the present tense, even though that was recorded. Like, oh yeah. They're the next like, day. they're like chicken what am i gonna do with right. this yeah, and right. then it cuts like, to them like three yeah. days prior yeah. making yeah. the out so you know, the, 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 the captain's logs are and you know eventually other people get to do captain's log i think spot does one mm. different characters do them and in the upcoming series they all get to do logs mm-hmm. uh but personal uh log. personal logs and i think like the idea is that this they're all over the place and that's part about how the stories and the episodes were written which is fine i don't have a problem with that yeah. i mean the the practical reason for the logs is just to come back from commercial sure yeah, yeah. just so you can get caught up on what's going on um oh yeah well but and then and i love the captain's log music like, dun, 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 dun. <laughs> i mean i again i love the music i love the music in this episode I, I like it's funny because you know nowadays we just we write new music for just about every episode of every show back then they just had all you know they had like just a catalog of music and they had to re-edit it and and use it over and over and over again, which in retrospect is great yeah. because then we get the fight scene music that everybody can hum. Modern shows, you can't, you can't, you don't do that on modern shows. You don't think about, oh, remember that episode, how good that episode was? Unless they use a famous song like, you know, Climbing Up That Hill or something on Stranger Things. We tend to, like, not think about how often, you know, the background music has become iconic as much as the theme has become iconic. You know, right, well, what else we got with our two minutes? I think uh, obviously we were a little longer than we normally oh, yeah. would be. But. Well, we we had a lot of well, we we talked a lot about Star Trek in general in this yeah. episode, which I think um, in other episodes probably you know we would have already addressed it. So yeah. like you know we 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 got a chance to you know talk about how we felt about you know the show in general and like production of the show, like yeah. so you know and a, a little bit about our, ourselves as well. Um, we had to do some exposition in the first yes, episode. Yes, establish the characters, yeah. so to speak. <laughs> had to do the captain's log yeah, captain's of log. Uh, the podcast. There you go. So, um, so on the next episode, we will be getting to where no man has gone before. Wait, yes, that's yes. the one. And probably we'll also be getting to uh, the naked time. Yeah, we'll probably um, get to those be, two. Because where no man has gone before is basically the same concept as uh, Charlie X. They meet so. a lot of very powerful people. Yeah. Uh, whether they're uh, robots or aliens or humans um, or Q-type characters. Um, and that's a th- and that's fine. What I do like about Star Trek Universe is that they aren't the most powerful people oh, yeah. around. Like if you watch Star Wars in general... They're all on the same The biggest level. badasses in the universe is the Empire mm-hmm. and the you know the Emperor and the Jedi and and we do kind of know some other things from Clone Wars mm-hmm. but in Star Trek like they aren't on infinite they aren't the most powerful uh, you know um, um, the creatures most, in the yeah. universe. There is a lot of unknown still. Yeah, you, get, you know. Yeah, eventually we get Q. So yeah, you know, uh, yeah, but um, so yeah, we got. Uh, so I guess I'll go through the socials then. Um, the Instagram is Double Fist Punch Pod, at Double Fist Punch Pod. That's uh, what I named. 
<laughs> and then we also, we're also going to have the, a TikTok of the same name, so you could go follow us there if you want. Um, it's my first time hosting a podcast, so I'm not exactly great. how to <laughs> close out. Just, um, um, I'll, I'll do it. Okay. Well, that was fun, and then we should freeze, and then there should oh. be a shot of the Enterprise flying away. That's because oh, yeah. that's every episode. <laughs> that's how every episode of Star Trek ends. <laughs> almost, almost always. Literally. But it won't actually be a freeze frame. It'll be you guys just holding there. <laughs> and then, and then it moves the ship and flies away. So no, thank you. This is a great job, and I can't. It's going to take us a long time to go through everything, oh, yeah. but I'm super excited for this. This is great. Yeah. Yeah. So I assume we're still recording. Yep. All right. So. Check us out next time. We'll be doing uh, maybe three episodes. Yeah. Maybe even four. Live long and prosper. Live long and prosper. <laughs> and make sure you hit people only with your two hands intertwined as such. Remember, you can do uppercuts. You can do down. You can do side to side. You can come up and hit somebody in the chin. There's so much you can do with it. Take care.